Hello, welcome to Culture Cubby, the podcast that's not afraid to say, um, the, um, inst- uh, don't, uh, just, just watch, uh, just watch a movie. Uh, I am your host, Jared Slattery. Uh, Julian has graciously allowed me to share my story after, uh, he had his, which was a fantastic episode. Um, so he, he really inspired me to write down something. Uh, and this is what I wrote down uh, about myself, and I'm going to be revealing a lot more than I usually reveal for myself, for anybody. Nobody knows this but him and Willa and family members. So I'm going to start reading it now. Now, the, the movie that I watched for this one it was The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Uh, I've not read the book, and I don't think I ever will. Um and the reason is that I saw this movie when it came out. I went with Julian and his girlfriend at the time. She loved the book. She thought it was great. And it probably is great. The movie is great. Um, but the movie moved me. And that that's an understatement. It, it pulled at me. It stabbed me. It tore at my scars. Poured salt in them and rubbed them. And it affected me so much that I had two anxiety attacks while watching the movie. Why did it affect me so much? Well, let's talk about the characters, because I think that's where the there, there are a lot of parallels to me. Um, Charlie, the main character, he suffers from non-disclosed, in the movie anyways, uh, mental issues. Uh, he's just starting high school, and... He's really excited to leave it already. He has the days counted out to how many he's got to go. Uh, he's quiet and doesn't really have any friends. And that's something I really have in common with him. A lot of people who really know me would never call me quiet. But but most people really... I'm really quiet most of the time. Uh, and I don't really have any friends. I have Julian. And that's mostly it. And anybody, a lot of people that Julian are affiliated with, I'm friends with through him. But really, I don't really have that many other friends, uh, and Willa as well, but other than that, no one. Uh, In his English class, Charlie, again, going back to the movie, he knows all of the answers to the questions, but does not raise his hand, and this is is really, really me. I, I, I knew a lot of the answers in high school, but I did not, did not answer them ever, and I don't know why necessarily. I didn't really want the attention, I guess. Um, it's so I, I really identify with him. There's just a lot, a lot of, a lot of parts to him that I identify with. Then there's Patrick who is the class clown and he has a sense of humor. He, he and Patrick knows himself incredibly well. Uh, he knows who he is and isn't afraid of that. And he was who I always wanted to be like in high school. And I think I'm closer to an in-between point with them. Uh, Then Sam, who's played by Emma Watson, she's the type of person that I, the idealized person in my head, um, which is not a uh, 100% good thing uh, to have an idealized type of person that you want to be with. It's just not very productive. Um, But... So these these archetypes are very personal to me. 
And I'm going to go off on a tangent. This this movie just kind of unlocks this story for me. So there's very little about the movie in, and uh, I'm not very good at reading things off of pages. So I'm probably going to go off book on what I'm saying. But uh, so it won't be as concise as Julian's. But it will definitely. It. I really want you to listen because I think this is something I need to get out. So here goes. <laughs> uh. This is a story about anxiety, family, romance, and friends. I was a happy kid growing up. I was quiet, very quiet in my head at the time, but I was happy and quiet. <laughs> uh, my best friend was my brother. Uh, he's my older brother by two years, and I idolized him. And he, he always seemed so cool to me. And I wanted to be just like him. But I wasn't. I was kind and soft and loving. And he was the opposite. He had a chip on his shoulder since we were little. But that didn't stop me from wanting to be like him. He knew that. And he psychologically tormented me, as older brothers tend to do. But there was more than the standard brothers do that repertoire. He was angry at me. He was angry at my mother. He was not angry at my dad at that point, as far as I know. Uh, the reason is my parents divorced when I was two. Like, and I, I get his anger because I do feel that a little bit. I always have. But I don't remember one altogether happy family memory. My earliest memory of both my parents together was them yelling at each other in the doorway of my mom's apartment complex when I was three. My brother blamed me for the divorce. Obviously, that wasn't the case, but he was a kid. He was three. No, sorry, he was five. I was two. Uh, he, he held on to the resentment for a long time, and he resented my mother as well. My, my dad painted the picture of my mother that portrayed her as an insane person. I, he, he'll deny it, but... He tried to gaslight her. And the only reason why I'm saying that he, he did do that is because he tried to do that to me. And I'm not trying to drag my dad down. This is, this is just painting the picture of this story. Um, my, my dad is an amazing storyteller. Like if he was telling this story, he'd probably leave out all this stuff, but he would tell it a little bit better than I, I am. Uh, and his would be more convincing. And his his stories about my mom being crazy were convincing. Like, you 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 don't. It it's hard to explain how convincing he was because I was there and I saw her, and I was living with her, and yet I believed him over her, and he, and my brother really believed him over her. And that that really kind of helped continue to build that that resentment that he had, my brother did. There's a dog barking, of course. They knew, I, they knew that I was starting to record, so they're like, well, let the dog out. And uh, so here we go. So now more about me. I made very few friends in school. I was quiet and wanted everyone else to like me. But... I didn't talk very much. I always assumed no one wanted to hear what I had to say, which is something my brother instilled in me 
from an early age. The And the first time I felt apart from other people is the first time I felt social anxiety. I was about five or six. I was in some daycare center for some reason. <laughs> it wasn't my usual place. Uh, they did not know my name. I knew no one. I watched the kids playing and realized they're never going to ask me to play. They didn't notice me, and I shrunk down and accepted that. A few years later, my mom moved my brother and I to Wisconsin, hoping it would tame the wild, uh, risk-seeking behavior that my brother was uh, having. Um, The move didn't affect me because I had no friends, which I didn't know was not normal. I found out later that my mom was uh, worried that I didn't have any friends. Like I, I didn't think about it uh, much. Um, still to this day, I don't think about it too much. I only think about it only in the context that other people might, like other people don't experience it the same way. Uh, back to the story. My, my first day in class, my teacher let the class know that I had ADD and to help me out, if I get off track. So she, she was telling the kids, this is exactly what she says. She said, Jared has ADD. So if you guys can make sure that he's on task, uh, throughout the day, that'd be great. Uh, not only was this against the law, it did not help me make friends. And I had one friend in, in the class, the whole one friend, and he was the other weird kid. And no one really talked to us. Then I don't remember this kid's name. I wasn't there for very long. But he was the only friend I had, and I really, we weren't even that close. Um, But I didn't really notice, like, I was fine, uh, other than being embarrassed that I was called out for having ADD, which was just real shitty. Uh, Wisconsin streets are a great place to be alone, like, really good. And I was alone a lot. Because at this point, my brother was becoming violent towards me, and uh, I didn't want to be there. And my mom worked nights, so to escape, I walked around the small town constantly. Winter, summer, it didn't matter. I was not at home. I was not at school. And I became more sure than that I, I liked being alone, and that it's good because people didn't like me. And that I was an idiot. Like, all the kids at school, I was certain... They thought I was an idiot. Uh, this was anxiety at play, obviously. My, like, I know now that everyone was in their own heads, <laughs> but I was really hard on myself about that. In school, there, I had my first outburst. Um, I just screamed at the teacher and told her that I was an idiot and that no one liked me. Like I, I cold freaked out. I was, I was sure that everybody hated me and that there was everyone just talked about me and told me, told, told everyone that I was stupid. And so that, that's still the anxiety at play. Um, so after a year of being in Wisconsin, my mom uh, moved me with her, obviously, back to Arizona. Uh, realizing that a small town wouldn't fix the issues and that she couldn't feed us with the money she was making there. And so my brother went to my dad's in Wyoming and I had a few more outbursts mentioned above uh, through the years in uh, in 
other classes. And uh, this is this is kind of where it goes dark. And I think it's important to say that this can be triggering for some. And I don't want anybody to suffer any kind of uh, triggering moment or anxiety. So there is some some stuff here uh, that I'd proceed with caution. Um, I think it's it's important to say that I was already a mess. Like that's why I gave you this story beforehand, and I can't blame all of this on a single person. I. My brother and I are genetically predisposed to anxiety and depression. Uh, so it's it's not 100% all of this. I don't blame everything on this. Um, so here we go to the to the rough spots. In so I'm back in Arizona and I'm going to school there. But I do visit my my dad and my brother uh, in in the fourth and fifth grades. I always visited them for the holiday breaks. Uh, my dad was too busy with work to really pay attention uh, to me, even though I was only there for like a week, uh, at most three if it's summer. Uh, my brother was out raising hell, so again I was by myself. Uh, my my brother beat the shit out of me a few times. For no reason, as far as I can tell. Um, my dad didn't do much but tell him he was being bad. And my brother would leave when he had chores to do. And because I think my dad was scared of him, uh, my dad would punish me for the undone workload that my brother was supposed to do. Uh, one of these times was the only time in my life that I was spanked. Uh and I was way too old for that. So, and, and also, don't feel bad that I was I was spanked. I punched him in the face a few few years earlier for something minimal. Um, and the point is that my brother got away with whatever he wanted to do. And one night I was watching him play StarCraft, and he started to browse the internet. After that, he found some porn, and then it happened. First. He asked, then he pleaded, then coerced, and threatened. I'm not going to go into detail but about what was done, other than general sexual abuse. This was not a one-time thing. He did this to me every time I saw him, until I told my mom. I told my dad first, and he gave my brother a stern talking to, and uh, then I called my mom, and she called the cops. My dad was furious that she called the cops. It was clear he made his choice on who to support in that moment. And once the legal system had my brother, my mother and father basically forgot about the trauma that I endured at the hand of the person I admired most, and instead paid attention to the one who betrayed me. I understand their issue here, specifically my mother's. They they didn't want to lose a son. And they didn't want to lose him to the 
to the legal system. So they, they paid attention to the, the person whose crisis was ongoing at that moment. And, and in their heads, that he was the one that was having the crisis. Um, but it, it, I was going through a lot, and I had no one. And we'll get more to that in a second, but I do have to, I'm going to give a caveat here. This is not an off the hook for my brother uh, or my parents on this, but this is an understanding. So the legal system is very flawed. My brother, who was a child at the time of these heinous acts, was tried as an adult, and this pisses me off. And I'm for punishing sex offenders, but I'm not for putting child sex offenders in the general population jails or prisons where they will be raped. I don't need vengeance. He was a child. I didn't need it then. I needed help, and that's why I went. And the legal system really fucked my brother. I have no sympathy for people who do this stuff but I do have sympathy for children and he was a child but so was I my parents told me not to tell anyone and instilled in me that that bad things will happen if I if I did not not in a way like if you say some say this the boogeyman will get you. It's, it's if you say this, you can get in more legal trouble. People can make fun of you. They will they will make fun of you. They will beat you up. So I started to put up an act, and is an act that my feelings were not important. That's the tragedy that befell me. Was nothing in comparison to my brother's woes. So my family brought me to court dates and brought me brought me with them to sit on the steps of the jail in central Phoenix while I waited for them to be done. I was 11 and spending hours alone in front of a jail where criminals are in the middle of central Phoenix and I was pretending to be happy about it. As I got older, I stopped talking to my brother. He disappeared and made it that much easier. I tried not to think about it and was doing a pretty good job of it until the first time that I had sex. I always shied away from people touching me sexually. Like, I, the anxiety levels just rose up. And finally, I allowed it to happen and I had an anxiety attack while having sex. I was not enjoying myself. I just wanted it to be over. And after that, I started to feel intense anger. I didn't attribute it to much until I was thinking about how my brother took away my sibling experience. How I don't have a brother. Like, that... He killed a brotherly relationship. And granted, he was an asshole to me before that. But as adults, I'm sure it could it would have changed. But... Because he went to the lengths he did to be selfish. That that relationship possibility is shattered. 
I, I, I'm angry still to this day that how I can't have sexual thoughts without some level of anxiety, how I can't date people. I only want sex and then to move on. And I, I get so mad about it. And something that helped kind of help me deal with this anger is I found out that he was himself molested by a much older man when he was very young. This really didn't surprise me, but knowing it takes the anger, a lot of the anger away, not completely, but and I'll probably always have a large amount of anger here, but there's, there's, it explains more because he was just a broken kid and I know what it's like to be a broken kid. You don't know what to do with your life. You don't, you, things are confusing. Every normal shit is confusing. So, after I was about 19, I started looking for therapists and I started to heal for a while. And and I, I kind of went through bouts of this. Uh, and then uh, recently, I started more recently. I guess it's 2013, so some time has gone by. I, I, I start. I actually dated somebody. Uh, we made love at, on Christmas, and I, I I was really falling for this girl, this woman. And I thought, finally, this is the person. This is the person that I can be with. Um, but then uh, I hear nothing from her for a few days until New Year's Eve. And I ask her to be my date to a friend's party and uh, she picks me up she she insisted on picking me up and tells me she got a new boyfriend um and i'm going she's driving to my friend's house and i, I this is foolishly i'm like you know what i i should have said let me out of the car drop me off back at home and please do that. But instead, I go to my friend's house. And this is a f- close friend of mine. And so was her roommate. Uh, we, we've known each other for years. so we And, and so we're, we're, we're very, very close at this point. Um, we get there. I start drinking. I, I, I won't recount all the drinks I drank. Um... Because I can't remember most of them. Uh, I tell my friend what happens. And she looks at me. She says something to the effect of. She doesn't owe you anything. So I drink more. Thinking that I had have a friend who. Uh, <laughs> so I drink. Thinking that I have, have a friend. Who would. Be a little more sympathetic. Uh, and help me out. But she doesn't. She's just kind of lets me self-destruct 
Um, um, I remember very little about that night after this, after this girl parts from us. Um, I remember her leaving and, uh, crying. I was crying and not, not because of her specifically, but because I let my guard down and it fucked me up. The next thing I remember, I was in the hospital bed and, and I didn't overdose. I didn't, I didn't drink too much. Like I drank too much, but I didn't drink so much that I drank too much. Um, I called my friends. No one could pick me up, I guess. Uh, uh, only Julian tried to. He couldn't, but he tried. He's the only one who tried. And the one who told me that I wasn't owed anything told me I was on my own. My phone was dying, and then, so I, I had to get a cab. Uh, and that night reaffirmed that I can't trust anyone. Not really. I know that isn't true, but that's how our brains work. And I laid in bed for days after that. None of the people who were at that party checked up on me. Not one. Not one. Not one of them reached out to me again. Um, I've reached out to one of them, and they respond, and then that's it. They respond real light, and then they're done. And I'm still mad about this. I'm still mad that they, they've not tried to talk to me. I'm not mad. I'm mad that they've not confronted me and said I was an asshole. I'm mad that they, that I'm mad that they have not done one thing to communicate with me. They didn't even check up on me. I was in the hospital, and they didn't check on me. So I started to sleep around uh, to fill some void. I wanted love, but I couldn't get at it because of my inability to let someone in. And I've told only two people about a lot of this stuff. Um, and I'm not a really a vulnerable person. I'm always guarded. I do not trust people. And remember when uh, a few podcasts ago we talked about high fidelity? When I said I can't fall in love, that I don't do it? Uh, it's because of this inability to trust someone. To not violate my entire person. This coupled with my already impressive anxiety does not make it easy for love. It doesn't make it easy in general. And if, if I'm in a crowd, I want nothing more than to scream at the top of my lungs that everyone just leave. Get away from me. And I see people having fun, and I know that I'm not invited. I see people kissing and being whole with each other. And I know that it isn't for broken people like me. It isn't fair to a potential partner for me to even try. And I know it can get better, but I don't know how to do that. How to make it better. So what does this have to do with the movie? Charlie is quiet and has no one. Patrick is loud and makes jokes occasionally. I was Charlie and I'm closer to Patrick now. The characters reflect back on me so much. And it affected me so much watching this movie. It, 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 
helps me realize things to watch it and, I, and to watch a movie like this and, and I probably will never watch it again there's a point in the movie where Charlie is dared to kiss the prettiest girl in the room and he does not kiss his girlfriend he kisses Sam which is Emma Watson's character and his friends just drop him um, and as and so that's really a, a part that the first time I watched it I didn't have that uh, have that link in with me but this time it did um, so this is the part I'm going to talk about the movie a little bit more so and why it affected me so hard. Because at this point, Charlie has flashbacks about his aunt who died, who was very important to him. Um, and Charlie remembers that his aunt was sexually abu- abusing him. Um, and he realizes that and has a complete breakdown. She had depression and was probably a victim herself once. Um, upon this revelation, I started to freak out quietly in my head, like I'm practiced at it. Julian didn't know about this at the time we watched this. He's never, at that point, he never heard me tell this story or any any part of this. I was alone then, pretty alone. But I walked out of the theater in tears fast I walked ahead of them so I could get get out and just dry my eyes and this movie was my middle middle school experience a little bit of a high school experience but he had friends Charlie did like I had Julian but in high school but in middle school I had no one I had one friend but I was becoming weirder more eccentric and I was probably an asshole but no one I felt like no one liked me I felt like no one wanted to be my friend I felt like I was worthless and that my existence wasn't worth noting and that's really it there's more to this movie than what I've put here so just go watch it it's a really good movie. Um, I, I've already said that I probably won't watch it again because I don't think I can take it. I, it, it. I had to watch it again for this podcast and I was already at the point where I didn't want to watch it ever again because I knew that it would build this uh, feeling again. And it did. But sometimes you need that feeling and I need to tell this story so thank you for listening I hope that you were entertained I know that sounds morbid but I don't know how to end this on a happy note Um, thank you for listening to our podcast. Thank you for all the kind words that you've sent to Julian. Thank you everybody who's 
uh, list new listeners to us from the last episode, which really built us up. And if you'd like to uh, tell us a little bit more uh, about what you feel about this one or what you felt about the uh, previous episodes, um, you can contact us on Twitter at Culture Cubby or Julian himself on Twitter, which is Ju- Mr. Underscore Julian underscore Sosa. Um, you can email us, culturecubby at gmail.com. Go on the Facebook. You uh, you know the drill by now, I'm sure. Uh, thank you very much. And I hope that you have a really good day. Bye-bye. <laughs>